Shomrabyug. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Shomrabyug, the tiny room. I am the Michael of Michael and Angel podcast, and I am joined by the man who is carrying this week's episode upon his shoulders like Atlas carries the earth. It's Benjamin. Say hello, Benjamin. Hello, Benjamin. It's very kind of you to compare me to the strongest man um, in Greek mythology. Unfortunately, probably can't hold that title, Michael. Was Atlas stronger than Hercules? Uh, well, they swapped places for a while, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, there's a whole thing where Atlas tricks him into holding up the sky so he can go get the apples. Because he's like, no, I know where the apples are, man. I'm going to get some apples. I'm going to go get them for you. But yeah, come here to me. Do me a quick yeah. favour, Dad. Yeah, you, you just you just hold that sky there. I will. You just hold sure. that sky. Oh, you're going to get... Two minutes, You're going to get the two apples. Two minutes. You'll get the apples, you'll get the, Yeah, no, I'll definitely get the apples, man. Right, I'll, so I'll just hold this and you'll get the apples. Yeah, it'll, two minutes. All right. Two minutes tops. Fair enough. And she then, didn't I only go and try and leave you? Oh, and you tricked me back. You tricked oh. me back. Don't worry. Don't how, worry. How did I trick you? Hercules tricked me back. So Hercules does a little kind of thing. Where he's like, "Oh, I'm going to drop it. Oh, oh I'm going to drop oh, it." Oh, and then Atlas was, was like, "And Atlas was like, no, you can't drop it because then Zeus will know and he'll come and get me." And he'd be like, "Yeah, oh, I'm going to drop it. Oh, it turns out you're stronger <laughs> than me." And he gives a little toss and he goes, "Oh, I got you." And Atlas goes to catch it yeah. to stop him. And he's stuck under it again. Uh, does Hercules get the apples? Yeah, and Hercules takes the apples. He's like, "Fuck you, pal. Good lad." I'll do the theme music. <laughs> theme music for the podcast. Don't actually have anything music. Very <laughs> <laughs> good. That was a great start. Bit of a bit of myth and legend there for you at the beginning. Benjamin, speaking of myth and legend, <laughs> would you be happy with the casting rumor of Rihanna for the new Poison Ivy? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, me too. That do. I've nothing against that at all. Yeah, that'd be fine. Rihanna has occasionally done some some stellar acting. She was one of the more enjoyable things about Valerian. She I was, did not like Valerian. The weird, but Valerian's a terrible film. Yeah, but you know, the bubble character was was great crack. She did was, you think so? She was now odd addition. She was spoilers here for a film that was out two years ago and no one saw. One of the most pointless deaths in cinema oh. history. Ever. It was just so she wasn't. See, I think what happened was Luke Besson made her a bit crushy on a, on our, our main man. Valerian yeah. is his name well, yeah that's his yeah. name yeah. Um, it doesn't make any sense because he's a little troll man he's a little troll man Dane DeHaan uh, Dane DeHaan not a bad actor but not not, not your typical heartthrob not really your leading certainly man certainly didn't believe Cara Delevingne was into uh, Dane DeHaan no um, but anyway it was more of a brother sister thing going yeah, on yeah that's what I felt but yeah. anyway look that's not the way the script thought I think he made it a bit too flirty and he was like well I can't have him sleep with Cara and Rihanna that would, yeah that would be because that would be weird later so it's like well look I'm just going to take a, a molecule shifting creature and have her die from a blunt falling on a trauma attack falling on, yeah, no, didn't she fall on a, a pipe or something yeah she falls on a pipe yeah. doesn't make any sense whatsoever any she's sense. a bloody shapeshifter she's a shapeshifter. surely she's an, she's an amorphous blob yeah. when she's not in form hey hey don't call Rihanna an amorphous blob no 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 not generally Michael in the movie oh. in the movie Michael yeah. Um, but yeah I, I would like to see Poison Ivy with um, Rihanna's Classic Barbadian accent. I would. I would be. That'd be good. You're not going to do it, are you? No, no, God, no. Oh, good. I'm not. I'm not that kind of podcast co-host. Committed incel, but I won't. Uh, won't actually engage in overt got racism. Of, got a lot of comments about that yeah. last week when a I called you in. People chimed in. on that. Some people were in support of that statement, and some people were very against it. So uh, I'm a divisive figure, Michael, yes. in the Michael and Benjamin's fan world. Speaking of uh, incels, Ben, we just watched the trailer for Watchmen, the new Watchmen. We did, yeah. And that will probably feature some incels. That's got some fairly hardcore Antifa versus uh, Proud Boys vibes going, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Mm. And uh, a bit of a detention of terrorists vibes going on as well. We don't have to do that with terrorists. Not a lot of Watchmen vibes, though. No, the Watchmen vibes are firmly out the door. There is one little reference to the black 
I can't remember what it is. The Black Pirate. Is it the Black Pirate? Little the, the side mini series, the, yeah. the side so the side series. We're talking about the new trailer, Ben, which was released yesterday. Yes, for HBO's Watchmen, which will be mm. out on October twentieth, as it turns out, which we both quite soon. <laughs> quite soon. Yes, quite soon. Um look, it looks interesting, but they are very heavily leaning into America's current political climate by the looks of things. Yeah. We've got some police officers acting the Mickey. Yeah. We've got some terrorists on side vigilantes. Some state sponsored vigilantism. Vigilantes, yeah. Um and they seem to be all working together to track down the the, the threat from inside. There's some very strong conspiracy theory vibes going yeah. through there. There's a there's an egg with some images in it and there's a guy inside wearing a Rorschach esque mask. His name appears to be Shining Mirror. Sh- Reflecto Man. Reflecto Man, classic superhero name. Um and I think one of the more interesting things is it looks like we we have our our grassroots Rorschach guys coming back and they're yeah. calling themselves the Cavalry. Calvary. Calvary, sorry, yeah. which is a Christ reference? Yeah. The Hill of Calvary? I think so. Did Ro- Is Rorschach now like a Jesus figure who sacrificed Maybe. himself to get the truth out? Mm. And they want the chaos that Rorschach attempted to spiral out of the world by sending his journal to that newspaper only to have it come out and undermine Vite and everything involved? I've thought the, the key thing about Watchmen, the Watchmen, the comic book and the film, the Watchmen, is that there is one superpowered being. Just the one. Yeah, and this doesn't seem to have that. It just seems to be uh, a show about unpowered vigilantes. Yeah. In the aftermath. Who's Jeremy Irons? Jeremy Irons is Ozymandias. Oh, is he? He's yeah. an older. Oh, that's a good yeah. call. Look that's, upon my works, ye shy he. <laughs> and, uh, and balls. And, and, and yeah, little bitch. <laughs> Um, Jeremy Irons actually classically wouldn't say that on set he said no I'm Jeremy Irons I'm not doing that noted actor Jeremy Irons (laughs) Ben speaking of Jeremy Irons have you seen any of the TV show Pennyworth no we're just ignoring that aren't we (laughs) we're just ignoring that we're just pretending it's not happening I think everybody is though no one has ever that was a joke in Teen Titans Go Oh, was it? Yeah, there was a whole bit in the movie where Alfred got his own film before Robin did. And then they went and actually did it. Somebody watched that and was like, actually. Well, it's a TV show. We could, yeah. I think it's following on. I don't know. It's an alternate universe one where Bruce Wayne and Pennyworth are swinging 60s buddies. It's 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 Thomas Wayne. Wayne, Sorry, Thomas Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne. And Alfred are old London 60s living it up in fucking London, isn't it? London, we're going to fucking smash these fucking, the penguins. Fucking 60s London, fucking groovy, isn't it? Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's bizarre. It's weird, isn't it's it? It's weird. Imagine if they made a, like, Alfred, is he that popular a character? That... Oh, I think he is, yeah. But only with Batman fans. He doesn't yeah. have mass appeal. Yeah. By any stretch. And the last Batman show wasn't that popular. Which one is that now? Gotham. Gotham. Gotham fell out of popularity as it but, went. So... I mean, Gotham is... <laughs> Gotham was a show about James Gordon. Yeah. Right? A, a Batman spin-off with a young Don't Batman. Batman was that necessary. And now we've spun off from that spin-off with one of the popular characters. It's so far from Batman now. Yeah. I, I guess they just realised that they can get away with pretty much Anton. And if it has any kind of tangential appeal to Batman fans, it might actually... Pull it off. I can't see it going past the series, but I haven't seen any reviews, Michael, so um, I can't give it any kind of... Look, Ben, I wonder if any of the people listening have... Uh, any of the listeners have seen it. I want to say doubtful, because our yes. listeners have taste and integrity. But <laughs> not all of them. I, not I, all I, of them. I know some of them personally. I'm not naming any names. <laughs> I will. It's Shane and Jim. Oh. Uh, <laughs> all right, you didn't do it. They can beat me up later. All right. Grant. Um No, I haven't watched it at all, Michael. And I, have, I don't have any intention to. Um, 
at all. Like, it's get, just get it's not here. on my list. It's not on my list. Speaking of DC tangential properties, yes, uh, bloody Titans unveiled their Deathstroke uniform there. Well, that's not too bloody tangential. At least that's bloody direct. Yeah, bloody uh, Lord, what's his name? Jorah, Jorah the Explorer is Batman. That's a weird one. Is he? He's Batman. Ian, yeah, Ian in the Glenn Titans, or Ian Glenn is Batman. I like that. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. It fits oddly yeah. well. Older Batman. Big, brooding, older Batman. Does he... What accent does he do? He does American. He does a Batman accent. He does a Batman accent. I'm stop these kids again. And he only says Khaleesi once or twice. Oh, <laughs> Khaleesi. I mean, I mean, Robin. I mean, Robin. I mean, Catwoman. Hawk Selena. Hawk and Dove. Selena. Um, yeah, so he does it once or twice. Uh, but it's... You know, that's been unveiled and the, the uniform is quite unusual, Michael. This is going on with the classic chainmail death stroke. There's some strong chainmail vibes. Scale mail? Scale mail, is that what yeah, it is? Is there scale. a difference? <laughs> chainmail is made of chain. Scale mail is made of scales. Could have figured that yeah, out yeah, from the yeah, name, yeah, Michael, yeah, 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 exactly. Could have figured that out from yeah. the name. Captain America usually... It's embarrassing. John Cassidy, I think, was the artist who... I don't know if Captain America always had scale mail or John Cassidy kind of... Gave him a, a bit of scale mail. No, I think mail. he did. I think Captain America's top part is supposed to be scale mail. Okay. Little it plates. sounds like a nasty infection. You it get. does. Yeah, it yeah. does. Uh, oh, no, I've got scale mail, uh, lads. Uh, Jorah the Explorer had it, I believe, in, yeah. in the Game of Thrones. That's why they picked him. They were like, look, scale mail. Captain America, Khaleesi, Captain Khaleesi. Batman. Oh, S- Selena. <laughs> this whole thing. Oh, Selena. I will serve you. <laughs> is, that, is that what he sounds like? Yeah, a little bit. Don't know. He's a bit generic to do an impression of, isn't he? Yeah, he's tough. He's like, I'm a man. My Khaleesi. I'm going to stop you, you from getting to look out for the bloody fellows on the horses. Yeah, there. scale mail. Look out there, lads. What are we doing? <laughs> but anyway, on? the uniform was unveiled. It's, it's a little bit uh, away gonna, from a classic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a little bit of issue there with you calling it a uniform. Because a uniform implies that, you know, more than one person is wearing it and that it's uniform. Oh look, Captain Bedantic's back in the room. Look, Ben, there's no need to be pejorative. (laughs) Uh, A a suit, maybe? A costume? A rig out? A rig out? What the fuck is a rig out? A get up? (laughs) What? Well, anyway, Deathstroke's new get up is, it looks like it's straying a little bit from the classic (laughs) kind of thing. Less streamlined. It looks like we're going to have a buffer kind of Yeah, he's got more shoulder pads. He looks a bit more like a video game character. Well, he does in the comics a lot of the time as well. Certainly in the, the Rebirth um, reissue of him he was a big buff hockey player yeah um, kind of guy with a sword yeah he'd be fine it'd I be, liked it I thought it was fine it'll be interesting yeah, uh, my, the only disappointment is is not friend of the podcast Manu Bennett yeah noted friend of the podcast who might be me if you watch our Comic Con <laughs> videos <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah look it, no he'll turn up Manu Bennett will do a little cameo like speaking of stole my bit <laughs> speaking of video games Ben I've been playing World of Warcraft Classic what is the big controversy about this Michael because as you know I don't exist in a in a gaming sense mm. um, just not around World of Warcraft of what ben, happened nothing particularly happened World of Warcraft came out in 2006 I think yeah Maybe South Park did an episode about it yeah. yeah one of the best South Park episodes of all time it's called Make Love Not Warcraft it's absolutely yeah. brilliant uh, I think the South Park creator's third favourite episode should be pretty good. Yeah, it's really pretty good. Really, it's really, really good. Those waves look funny, Michael. <clears throat> no, they're fine. They're just a bit. Are we sure? Just, no, yeah, they're fine. It's just you're not shouting. <laughs> you oh, can. there you go. Look, there I go. There <laughs> um, Cut that out, can't you? No, I'm leaving it. <laughs> no, in. I'm leaving it. In. South Park. No, World of Warcraft came out in 2005. Ben, World of Warcraft was a massively multiplayer online video game set in the world of Azeroth. A mop. 
uh, Azeroth, of course, being very heavily based on the Warhammer world and the Warhammer world itself being very heavily based on the Lord of the Rings. Bloody thieving all over. It's bloody inspiration. Well, there's an interesting story about World of Warcraft, about Warcraft actually, that it was initially designed as a Warhammer game, but they couldn't make an agreement on the license. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so they created their own world of orcs and humans and you trolls. are a mine of information Michael. i'm bloody i'll tell you ben i just surf the internet a lot anyway look it's an interesting story we might get into it another day because it's quite interesting <laughs> but ben when world of warcraft came out in 2005 2006 it quickly became the biggest most popular multi massively multiplayer online game of all time it kind of set defined the genre of massively Fair. multiplayer online role-playing games and over time seven expansions for it have been released that's quite a few it is quite a few and it's been active, it had a player base of millions for more than 10 years. It's incredible. Good for it. What an achievement in the I think gaming one community. Of, one of the three or four most uh, profitable video games ever made. Wow. Like Pac-Man, Street Fighter 2, World of Warcraft. Your classics. Yeah. Anyway, the game, Ben, has changed massively over the course of 13 years. Every expansion introducing new mechanics, new core gameplay loop, new... Not to everyone's preference from what I understand, Michael. No one really knew how much they missed the old game until people started playing on private servers. And they would load up an old copy of the game. Well, you can't. You see, the game runs on server end, so someone needs to get the code for the old version of the game. Luckily, some people had that saved and they could... Of course they did. And they could play... The old version version, without all the expansions and and knickknacks. And Blizzard, the makers of the game, realised there might be some bloody money in this. As as companies often do, Michael, as companies often do, oh, we could make some profit here. We could make a bit of money. So they released the game. They released it for free, basically. WoW Classic. Any current World of Warcraft subscriber can play WoW Classic for free. Mm. And it has been a smashing success. Good for them. It's a much more social experience. A lot of the developments developments over the last 15 years of the game have been about getting to the high-end, exciting content of the game more easily. Okay. For example, you can buy a boost that will level your character to almost the maximum level straight away. Well, that's silly. Well, people want to play that end-game content. Okay. That's sweet, sweet endgame exactly, content. Exactly, because okay. that's always been the inspirational, the aspirational for some people, but the inspirational point of the game is to reach the end game and kill the big, huge bosses and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. But people have forgotten that the reason the game was massively popular it's is the grind, Michael. Getting there yeah. is fun and social, and people are talking to each other. Pejorative. Yeah, very pejorative. But yeah, it's been a pretty big, pretty big success. I'm limiting myself to an hour or two a day. Have uh, you been playing it an hour or two a day? No, but it, when I do play, I play okay. more than an hour or two. Because yeah, right? Ben, World of Warcraft and I have a long history, which I won't get into now. Oh, but, really? Uh, Are we yeah. doing a Warcraft special at some <laughs> point? <laughs> we'll, we'll do a Warcraft oh, we special. Should. We'll talk about the two that times. sounds great. The two times I stopped playing Warcraft because I stopped washing. But uh, we'll talk about them Jesus on another Christ. episode. <laughs> okay, wow, exciting. Speaking of people who don't wash, that Hitler was a real bad egg, wasn't he? Oh, he was. He was an awful prick. Um, but anyway, why why is Mick bringing up Hitler on the podcast? Well, first of all, I'm an incel. Again. And I probably have some kind of interest in that somewhere along the line as an incel. Um, You're taking that personally. Uh, well, it's just it just hurts, Michael. I, I would I would argue that I'm quite the opposite of an incel. But an outcel. An outcel. I'm, I'm an Audi, not an um, but Taika Waititi has has a new movie coming out with Miss Scarlett Johansson. Um, 
and a, a cast of what looked to be a ragtag ensemble of great little character actors. Yeah, and kids. And kids. It's like if Wes Anderson had a sense of humour. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, it's Jojo Rabbit, and it's about a young man enrolled in the Hitler Youth. Yeah. Um, who has Hitler as his imaginary friend? Yeah. And the best thing about this, Michael, is Taika Waititi is playing his imaginary friend Hitler, and he has blue contact lenses in, and he's peeled his skin off. Yeah. Because, it as you and I both know, Taika Waititi is uh, a native New Zealander. Uh, I heard or read that Taika Waititi decided he was going to look into Hitler. And he said, nah, fuck that guy. I'm not going to research him at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to make up this absurd character called Hitler. Yeah, brilliant. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. But anyway, it turns out that he's been encouraged. That the Lillian for the trailer looks very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. As I said, Wes Anderson with a sense of humour and a bit of pacing. You famously didn't like Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, no, I did. Oh, no, you did. It was Shane I, who didn't like it. It was like Shane it. who didn't like Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. I think you'll recall that I brought Hunt for the Wilder People right here when Thor Ragnarok came out and defended Taika Waititi's mantling of uh, heading up of the project based on Hunt for the Wilder People, which is very funny. It's very good. It um, has Sam Neill in it. It's Sam Neill, great Australian actor, Sam Neill. Sam Neill, Sam Neill as an adoptive uncle. Also has right. one of the best Irish accents on screen. He's a Northern Irishman in Peaky Blinders. Does he? Yeah, he he worked for the Royal Constabulary, rooting out uh, dirty, dirty Peaky Blinders out of Birmingham after spending many years hunting down uh, Republicans in Northern Ireland. Wasn't he in uh, that Irish Rambo film we saw? Which one is that now? Black 47? Yeah. No, that's Hugo Weaving. That was Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. They are very interchangeable to a degree. Was he? No, he wasn't. It was just Hugo Weaving. Weaving. Hugo Weaving. They are very interchangeable at a certain point. Grumpy Australian men. Grumpy Australian men with a lot of screen time and presence. Yeah, all right. To be fair, they do the job. Like, you get them in and your movie gets a little boost because of it. But uh, Jojo Rabbit looks very funny. Scarlett Johansson plays the mother of young Jojo Rabbit. Mm -hmm. uh, Jojo. And uh, it turns out she, based on the trailer, is harboring an old Jewish fugitive. Yeah. Um, And he is swallowing the rhetoric Hook, line, and sinker, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, Jews are terrible." Yeah, because yeah. he's in the Hitler Youth, and that's what they do. I like when someone says to him, "You're not a Nazi. You're just a ten-year-old boy who wants to be in a club." Yeah, that's that's the, and I think that's probably true of many people that take up those particularly crooked and twisted uh, ideologies in in modern times as well. Uh, again, Nazis are very in right now, Michael, for all the wrong right reasons. Now, yeah. Um and it's probably a little critique on that. I cannot wait to see it. Love a Taika Waititi film. I think it's going to be very good. Mm. I think mm. Taika Waititi just has a great sense of his own style now. And he does it very well. And look, I'm, I'm excited, Michael. I Scarlett think Johansson's in it as a slightly sexy German woman. Slightly which sexy German we mother. both know yeah. I'm very into. <laughs> um, I'm very into that. And, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's upsetting sometimes. I'm uh, on board. <laughs> just be quiet for one second, though. Um I think what we really need to focus on here is your personal growth in that you can now say Taika Waititi's name confidently. It took me months, <laughs> months of intense therapy, yeah. which is going on the podcast bill, by the way. Oh, brilliant. Because it was for broadcasting standards. Yeah, well, just bill it to show. What did I used to call it? Taika Waititi? I don't know. Like you, you just wouldn't say it for a while. Yeah, he was just like, your man. <laughs> you can start working on M. Light Shyamalan next. Shyamalan. Benjamin, Shemalian, yeah. speaking of Irish people's accents, you've been watching a TV show. I have. This one slipped right by us, Michael. Um, Pennyworth. Pennyworth, yeah, no. We, we actively ignored that one. But this one has received no real marketing to speak of 
I certainly haven't seen it advertised in many places. As you know, I'm an avid online shopper, yeah. uh, Michael, because I hate the environment and good working conditions for people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I am struggling to... And local economy. ...to curb my Amazon addiction. But um, I do have Amazon Prime occasionally to watch the L series. I got it to watch the boys in yeah. nice, high quality. Um, and sure, I still had it. And I decided to check out Carnival Row, starring Orlando Bloom and Miss Cara Delevingne. Orlando Bloom is in it. Orlando Bloom is one of the main characters, one of the two main characters. Yeah. And Michael... Yes. It's bloody Irishman. Is it? Irishman's a fictional universe, Lalon magic and stuff. Get on, um, get on there now. Yeah, so it, it takes, it's set in a, a fictional world. Um, there are three main countries involved. Right. There are the Berg and the right. Burgish, who are pretty much a paragon for the British Empire. Um, yeah, classic there's Tiernanok, which is a knockoff of Tiernanog, which yeah. is basically Ireland, Michael. Get out And here. it's got Faye in it. And it's... Miss Cara Delevingne, Michael. Yes. It's a bloody Irish accent. And Michael. Yes. It's not shite. <laughs> I nearly fell over. I was like, oh no, they're not going to try and do an Irish accent with the whole. It's not shite, Michael. I think Cara Delevingne is quite good at accents. Didn't she pull off a, a believable American a couple of times as she well? She fucking is. She's yeah. fucking great at it. She plays a, a border town style accent and she's real northern and tough. And, and, and she holds that accent. For the whole series, Michael, yeah, and does a great job. There are several great Irish accents knocking around. Are there any Irish people? Uh, no, they just cast lots, <laughs> no, of, English just cast lots of English people as Irish people. Oh, There's good. a South African woman who plays a Harrispex, which is a really obscure witch kind of lore thing mm-hmm. in a different thing. She does a great job as well. It's Alice Kill something. She's very famous. I'll, I'll find her later, and we'll talk about her. And um. <laughs> My brain just went blank there. Froze there. <laughs> um, Orlando Bloom plays a Burgish inspector. Oh, good. Called Inspector Orlando Philistrate. Bl- <laughs> and he's known as Philo. And uh, Cara Delevingne plays a woman called Vignette. Um, and it's it's bloody great, Michael. It's a great little series. There's a What's lot of chemistry. About? It's everything you want. So basically, um, in this particular case, it's all about colonialism and empire and stuff like that. And the Berg is facing off against another country called the Pact. And the Pact are pretty much a paragon for Prussians in World War One. Right. And um, they do all kinds of twisted thing to win wars and stuff like that. What are you looking at me for? I'm getting a Michael. No, I just don't think you're using paragon correctly. But go on. <laughs> uh, sorry, a paral- I meant parallel. <laughs> yeah, parallel. I mean parallel. God it's damn it! P- it's, it seems to be P. It seems like <laughs> I don't maybe, like P. Maybe the P section fell out of your thesaurus. <laughs> Pejorative paragons galore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, they're a parallel for Prussians in World War One. Go on. Um, and so they both fought over basically the Fae are discovered at some point in this uni- in this universe's timeline mm-hmm. and they are filled with magic and riches and oh, stuff yeah. like that and so both these little colonial forces go at it and take on the Berg strike an alliance with the Fae right and they end up losing they pull out and the pact get absolute, absolute control and dominion and so when we meet Cara Delevingne's character she is working as what's called a uh, Sparrowhawk, I think, is what it's called. And she's like a lobo in Mexican immigration terms. She gets people across the border and out of the country. Okay. Um, as Faye. <clears throat> um, and so that has a really strong parallel between the famine and coffin ships and stuff like that. There's a whole thing. They all pile onto ships and sometimes the ship makes it and sometimes it doesn't. But anyway, we start the series and this is minor spoilers for episode one of Colonel Rowe. And she she was in love with Philo. He was a burgish soldier and they fell in love together. Classic. And she believes him to be dead. Oh no. But he's not at all. There he is. He's, he's an Orlando inspector Bloom. in the Berg. Um so she does a runner from um she does a runner from Tiernanok um and she finds out and that's the, the main tension of the plot. But Go on. 
underneath all this is a wonderful kind of Victorian magic subplot um, where there's <laughs> a, an evil thing called a dark asher stalking through the city of Berg. Bloody Jack the Ripper. Um, kind of very similar to that concept, but it's Lovecraftian, Michael. Oh, very good. It's Lovecraftian. There's all kinds of Lovecraftian magic. It turns out that the Fae believe in a kind of eldritch religion mm-hmm. and there's all that kind of thing. Ah, oh, Michael, I have not enjoyed a series this much. In years Really? <laughs> I honestly It's not even that Like it's not a perfect series It's mm. it's a little bit Melodramatic at times It's just great It's just right. all the things That get, tick my box Get out of here Yeah You sat in all week Ticking your box Yeah just ticking my box oh, tick, that's tick, very ticking. good Very sore now though uh, <laughs> But yeah is it's, it, it's a great series Michael How is it filmed? Is it all period Or is it uh, oh, It's a all bit, period It's all period it's is period. it? It's well all... I mean It is a fictional universe mm. But Michael That's what brings us On to this week's Is it time for this week's topic? We can Nearly go But you can answer the the question I asked you Sorry, first. go on. Is it all period? For is which it, period? I mean, is it all period or is it like a modern show that's kind of set then? You're looking at the transition of... Like, is it like a... Is it like a Peaky Blinders where... Oh, it's like a Peaky Blinders. It's all period. Yeah. It's, all, um, it's all full period. But it's set... If you were looking for a chronological, it's the, it's the handover from the Victorian period to the Edwardian period. Mm. Um, more automation, that kind of thing. But what I'm saying is, basically, it's not like, let's say, Legend of the Seeker. No, God, no. Or... Even going further back, Xena, where it was basically modern people in ancient Greece. No, no, it's much more period. It commits to it. No, no, it, it commits it's to mo- its setting. It, it commits, is what I'm asking. It commits to its setting hardcore. Oh, lovely! Um, it's great. Hardcore um, Delavine. Uh, yeah, she's amazing. I have never had so much respect for Cara Delavine as I. Oh, also, Your little faces lit up. To there, really, oh, I tell you why, Michael. Have you ever been curious about what Cara Delavine looks like naked on top of Orlando Bloom, who is also naked? Well, yeah. Look no more. Check out episode four. I've seen of Carnival Blue's Willy, unfortunately. Yeah, well, you can see it again if you want. Really? Um, yeah, and is this Orlando Bloom? Full chesticles from uh, Cara Delevingne. Ben. One of uh, one of my friends. Very uh, one of <laughs> one of my friends. I can't believe you just said full chesticles <laughs> on the podcast. I can't believe you're telling me about nude scenes on a podcast that people are going to listen to. Oh my god, you're too excited. It's in case if you, it's in case you watch it with kids. You can't have kids in the room when this comes on. Mm. Um but as one of my friends very cruelly pointed out, she said to, I said um oh it was shocking. I couldn't believe that uh Car- you could see Caro Delevingne topless and she was like, "Was there anything to see?" And I was like, oh, "Come on, very very pejorative." Isn't Car- my De- goodness. Isn't Caro Delevingne a model anyway? Doesn't she wear she a, is, yeah. a see-through top? Yeah, no, it's yeah, grand. Like it's yeah. not like she was uncomfortable with the scene, but <laughs> Anyway. It was just, you know, something I wasn't expecting. It kind of comes out of nowhere and you're like, oh. Let's let's move oh. on. <laughs> um, and Orlando Bloom's back to full form. He's do, he does a great oh, job. He's is he in shape? Very, he's an intensely likeable character. Orlando Bloom? Yeah. Are you sure? Or Bloom. Are you That's sure what I mean. Orlando Bloom? That's what I mean. Because I watched the trailer yes. and it's her and Cara Delvin was like, well, that has all the chemistry of a bloody cement block. Yeah. Nope. Completely wrong. Oh, very good. Um, they both do a, a sterling job. Of I'll acting it, out this world I'll give it a bloody watch band, There's a great little Turn off the sex scene Yeah there's a Well you can't watch it With your good lady friend In the room But you must <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> So Ben This is what we're talking about This week Bloody fictional worlds Or something Go on you So that got me thinking Michael um, And not because We didn't have a topic This week And we needed to come up With one Because no. we definitely Planned these yeah. things Months in advance And do a lot of research And Often stuff like that Several weeks 
But I think what got me into it so much, Michael, as you know, I went to the university, Michael, which I never miss an opportunity to tell you. you I'm did. an educated man. No, Michael. so did I, Ben. Um, I don't really care about you. <laughs> this, is, this is about me, Michael. Um, but one of the modules I studied at university was Victorian literature oh, um, no. and how it kind of shaped a lot of our modern literature. And I think what I loved about this series so much, Michael, is how much it borrows from... Well, I think from, what you loved was the bloody nudity, apparently. <laughs> That, well, I'm an incel, Michael. Yeah, it's go on. It's all I get to have sometimes. Look at my little laugh there. Uh, yeah, it was a quite enjoyable amount of waves there. Some interesting waves. But what I really enjoyed about this was how much it borrows from real life things that happen. And I'd say probably because I'm an Irishman, what I really found appealing about this series is how it examines the treatment of immigrants um, in Victorian London at that time. Now, it's not called London. They're not called Irish, mm-hmm. but their accents are pure Irish. And the Berg is basically a London bloody, parallel. It's bloody London, isn't it? It's bloody London, bloody isn't Jack it? Jack the Ripper, but he's a um, monster. Yeah, well, there's a whole bunch of that going through it. Um, there's a possessed killer in the first episode. Again, these are only spoilers for the first episode. I won't go into any major spoilers for you. But it's interesting. There's a whole political element to it. You get to see how those decisions are made. Um, there is some serious Brexit shaming going on um, <laughs> throughout the... There's, no, seriously, it's they're looking at how politicians can't make an agreement and stuff like that. It's very interesting to see all that paralleled. But what's most interesting to me is you're looking at how immigrants are treated in London. And basically, uh, the chancellor of this fictional burg... Um, is dealing with a wave of immigrants coming in from Tiernanok, who they align themselves to and now kind of have to be responsible to. So there's all kinds of of lead-ins there. You could look at how America treats um, Iraqi people who helped them during the war and stuff like that. There's a lot of commentary going on. But for me, as an Irishman, not so spot. It was very interesting to see the way they were treated. Um, and they are treated like second-class citizens. It has something that you really enjoy, Michael. It has kind of slang and insults based on, on those things. So if you want to be derogative towards one of the fae, you call them picks. Oh, um, like you pixie. dirty picks. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. So you, you'll really enjoy that, Michael. You'll sink your teeth into <laughs> that here and there. You, you love a My, fictional derogatory slang. Yeah, I do. You bloody toast. One of your favourite things. But I found it really, really interesting. So the more you dig into it, the more you can kind of see the 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 basis of each race within this. So you have um, the Fae, who mm. are the Irish. You have the Berg, who stand as Britain. Mm. You have the Pact, who stand as Germany. And it's interesting. A lot of their lore is based on German folklore. So, for example, we find out a little bit later in it that many of the Pact soldiers are being experimented on with an injection that turns them into werewolves. Um, And the werewolf curse is a real thing in this uh, universe, but they're doing it without the full moon. So they're being experimented on, which Mm. kind of harkens back to the World War Two Nazi experimentation rumors that went around for a long time Mm. uh, and that kind of thing. And then you have other races in the Berg as well. You have the Puck, who are basically satyrs, um, and they seem to be northern English people. They're used in labor and stuff like that, and they're much rougher smelly types. and gruffer. Um, and it's really interesting. Like there are subplots throughout. Um, there's a rich family who gets a, a puck as a neighbor. He's a rich, well-to-do puck, similar to a Great Gatsby type. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're dealing with the shame of having a puck as a neighbor in their upper class kind of suburban this thing. It's starting to upset me. It oh. sounds like the typical English thing of casting the English as humans and everything else as some sort of mystical creature. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> oh, maybe it do, maybe it will upset you. Oh no, yeah. have I been too eager? Am I too enthusiastic? Uh, no, 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 look, I still give have it a I go. not? Have I not but refined the lens enough? Oh is no, a, it is a very English thing to do to cast 
the, the English are the humans, obviously. We'll yes. start as, with yeah. us as the humans, yeah. and then we'll represent every other bloody race as some sort of trogs. Well, I suppose in some ways it is pretty insulting that the Irish are all fairies, but yeah. you know, it's or it's, even even to go back to let's say the Lord of the Rings, uh, like the humans. You what? Fucker. What is that? What you're going to do? Have you have I stolen your thing? <laughs> you're marching home, but you're marching me into somewhere because you want to see me spring a trap for you. No, no, so you no, come no. in. Oh, I see what you're saying, Ben. No, I don't. But I'm just saying that in in the Lord of the Rings, like the good humans were pure white. Yeah, they were England. The good humans were England, mm-hmm. and the bad humans were Asia. And Africa, and the orcs, like and no, the like the Easterlings. Oh, the yeah. Easterlings were Asians. Oh, the big elephant guys. Yeah, yeah. they're basically an Ottoman parallel. They were, they they? were kind of Ottoman. Yeah. They weren't Easterlings. They were what were they? The Easterlings are. No, the I guy, think you're not wrong. I think they are the Easterlings. No, the Easterlings were the guy in the, the guys in the gold armor who marched. In I don't know them well enough. Yeah, well, I can't remember who the guys. Haradrim were the guys on the elephants. Ah, but they were kind of. North Again, African, yeah. Turkey, that kind of thing, assassin kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and even if you the the bloody the the fucking the hobbits were the home con- the home counties of England. Yeah, bloody Cornwall and yeah, <laughs> and you know the yeah, there it's a pretty common thing in British literature to make the standard baseline humans are the English. I think one of the more interesting things that you'll see in Carnival Row is that. The people in the burg are not likable. Right. Um, the racism, the the anti-immigrant rhetoric is turned up to 11 in a very real sense. Um, and there are very few likable uh, people in the burg. Yeah, I see what you're saying. No, no, that's I, I, apologist to a degree. Yeah, yeah. And I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I've kind of it's just taken the wind from my sails, it's Michael. Just a bit, it's a bit apologist. It's a bit like, yeah. oh, but we're we're the humans, obviously, but we're we're, we're terrible humans. We're, it's terrible the way we're treating those other folks, isn't it? Isn't oh, it? Tits. <laughs> um, I will. I will say that it's it's not. It is the English, but it's not white people. There are many different races and classes represented in the Berg, but it's all English. Yeah, yeah I get what you're saying. The English are the humans, and the other tits. people are some sort of are who's dwarfs. There are no dwarves. There will be dwarves in the later series. Yeah, sure. They'll probably be the Scottish. We'll probably, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. Um, well, that's good. The, I don't know who... I don't know if it was Tolkien who made the discovery, the decision that dwarves were Scottish, but um, the Lord of the Rings call. movies definitely... Yeah, made that call. They're no, definitely nor, Scottish. Northern or Scottish or anyway. Yeah. Billy well, I mean, I think we all live in the shadow of Lord of the Rings to a degree because he was one of the first ones to really lean into it. But I think what set this apart for me... Lord of the Rings seems to borrow from Orientalist stereotypes on occasion. Go on. I, I think, as we said, with the Easterlings, the Haradrim, the Haradrim and stuff like that. Those are stereotypes that we had of of Orientalist understandings of what the mystic East and oh, those those guys do some weird stuff over there. This is far less that he borrows from real life events that happened. The guy that wrote it, he was originally writing it as a movie. The guy who wrote it, and I'm sorry, I don't have his name down here, but Amazon gave him the option of turning it into a, a series. And he mm-hmm. realized as soon as he was given that option, because he had so many ideas, he was like, oh yeah, series makes a lot of sense. The tight eight, which we like here at the podcast. Oh, I like a tight eight. Tight eight. Ben, what makes it not just the movie Bright? Oh. But 200 years ago. Uh, because it's I, I think there's a lot other more than es- it's good <laughs> well other than that I think it's a lot more escapist 
Right. Um, in that it's in a time period that we don't necessarily relate to. One of the things that kind of irked me about Bright is like, oh, look, this is us. But he's got makeup on orcs, his face. Yeah, orcs are immigrants. Uh, orcs are immigrants. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, 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 we so all know that. They're in a gang. It's not like that. Um, the different races that are represented in this are very, very different. Um, and they're very well thought out. It's not necessarily that orcs are immigrants. They're in gangs sometimes. Orcs are black people in bright. And they hang and around Mexicans. hoods and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? They didn't have that in this. One of the interesting things I find that... It, makes for a good balance is he takes parts of one culture and he mixes them with another so the fae seem to be a lot more they're irish in accent and some of their symbolism is is a little bit like that do they wear normal clothes or do they wear rags no they don't wear rags at all they're good. tibetan they're it's what? like a tibetan irish fusion it, it's a really unusual thing he's he's taken a lot of different things and kind of fused them together but i think what what makes this very solid is He's not banking on you understanding the stereotype of anything. Right. So the Irish, the accent is there to give it a kind of regional flavor, I guess, to a degree. And some of the events that happen to the Irish are there. Right. So this idea of having to leave your own country is very much paralleled with famine, coffin ships and stuff like that. Finding your place in a city that doesn't want you is very much part of the Irish Navi experience in the early I can't remember exactly. This is going to burn. Days. In the early days. Yeah, let's just say that in London. But he's not, they're not like, oh, well, family's the most important thing and we all sit around and join together. Have a potato. It's it's not like that. Will you have a potato? At all. And it's the same with the puck. The puck are not, they don't believe in hard work or anything like that. They are forced into this kind of labour because they suit that kind of thing. Um, no okay sorry like that, was a, that was a strong no no <laughs> so you feel about people from northern England shit <laughs> you fucker uh, that's not what I meant that's not what I meant but anyway yeah. I think it's really good when the puck go out at the weekend do the women not wear coats sometimes yeah. <laughs> no the puck don't go out they are really second class citizens on top of the faith it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's like that kind of thing um, but it's interesting to see the whole war parallel um, and I think that might be what sets it apart from stuff like Bright. When we do this kind of thing a lot, what we do is we have, oh, well, these guys are Mexicans. Yeah. Uh, we don't say that, but they basically are. They have the same culture. They have the same this. This series parallels events a lot more. So you get a lot of World War One aesthetic when we do flashbacks to Tiernan Knock and stuff like that. There are some great horror elements. And then occasionally just goes off the wall and does Victorian yellowback kind of Penny Dreadful kind of stuff. What's a yellowback? A yellowback is what they were originally published as, so... Um, when we had the famous monster things um, like the mummy or um, Dracula or something like this, these were considered to be sensational and cheap literature. Yeah. Um, and the cheapest way to do them was in paperback. Right. But those paperbacks would be yellow. And um, that was the typical cover. It was yellow with red ink. And that's how you knew you were dealing with one of the, the Penny Dreadfuls, the cheaper huh. Penny Dreadfuls. So it spawned the term Yellowback. A Yellowback novel is uh, similar to a Penny Dreadful, but it might not be gothic. It's cheap pulp literature how, that could be consumed. How similar is this series to the TV show Penny Dreadful? Uh, again, Penny Dreadful is something that commits fully to its original thing. So it's a horror show with... Um, melodrama. With melodrama. This is very much a little bit of everything show with horror elements, strong horror elements. The subplots are really important as they go through. And I think what impresses me about the show is it has many different subplots, but they balance. Um, And I'm not sure how they've pulled that off. I I think I'm going to have to watch it again to get a better sense of of how it was put together. 
and things like that. But it's not one thing and it's not pushing one thing too much. There's a political intrigue to it. There's slice of life stuff to it. There's a great central plot between Philo and Vignette. And it's it's good. It, it's just very good, Michael. I enjoyed it a lot. So anyway, that got me thinking about other times that authors have borrowed well. And you've already spoken about it a little bit with Lord of the Rings. Um, when they borrow well or not so well I personally don't really believe in the Lord of the Rings one being oh. one of the great because it's J.R. Tolkien just taking stereotypes from his time and slapping them onto oh. a character oh Ben yeah oh Ben yeah you've stepped on a mine there yeah I have yeah. Ben I'll, I'll bloody Lord of the Rings Ben is the invention of the concept your beloved concept Ben of world building yeah I know yeah. world building didn't yeah, exist know, until yeah. until bloody Lord of the Rings but does that mean that he did it well Yes. Are you sure? He did it so well. He just pioneered it. No, he did it so well that he invented a genre. Fair. Bloody did he do it well. Fair. It's still great to this. People would love to live in the universe of the Lord of the Rings. Would they? Yes. Really? People on our bloody Instagram said they would. Yeah, I know, yeah. I just ignored those ones. <laughs> I think you actually uh, did. You didn't yeah. respond to them. It's just like, nah. Yeah, there's a lot of people who would love to live nah. in, the, in the world of the Lord of the Rings. One would of the they, things, though? They would, yeah. Would you die? You might not die. People always think they'd be an elf. They wouldn't be an elf. They'd be a hobbit. They might be a hobbit, but two breakfasts. Well, that's true. <laughs> no, a world in which two breakfasts were good. No shoes. It'd be great. No shoes and two breakfasts. It'd be no brilliant. Shoes and two also, breakfasts. although you would be short, you'd have very little contact with the outside world. So, like, you wouldn't really realise you were short. That's what Britain wants now, isn't it? It's bloody Ben. It would be like what happens to us when we go on holidays to Holland. Oh, for fuck's sake. Why are they so tall? They're ants. The Dutch <laughs> They're ants so <laughs> They're bloody big But yeah bloody J.R. Tolkien Ben He invented world building As far yeah. as I'm concerned And oh, that's right. based on no research <laughs> Good Great <laughs> good. Um, That's good Because most of my opinions Are never based on research yeah. Michael as you know So there you go Welcome to the club yeah. Um, yeah But it got me thinking And so I put the question Out to our Instagram We got quite a few good um, Good little Jump on ins there yeah, we, go got, on. we got some go good on. insights Go on One of the great ones That I found um, Was Firefly uh, right. And that was from Friend of the podcast Jim and Firefly is a great example of this. Again, it works really well because it's not based on a, a general stereotype about a race of people or a particular country. It's based on real world events that people can draw a link to. Um, and in this case, it would be the Civil War, Michael. The Civil War and kind of the Old West being yeah. overrun by civilization. And one of the really interesting things, and I suppose what makes Firefly so interesting is they make us root for the brown coats, yeah, the who baddies. would be the Confederacy. Yeah, but by there's no slavery. Standard. Well, there's no slavery, but it's still the guys that went against it. They just invert the, the classic story that we know where, uh, well, I'm not going to say anyone was right in the American Civil War, but the slave owners were pretty poor. Plugs. Uh, um, not a great system. Yeah, not a great system. Not a not a good... Yeah, you shouldn't own humans. Not a winner. But the brown coats are kind of more libertarian. They want yeah. their freedom. They want yeah. to be out and about doing their own thing. Nathan Fillion, just... I never, it up. Uh, to be honest, I never really saw it as a an allegory of the civil, the American Civil War. I always thought it as an as an as an allegory of the encroachment of civilization upon the the Wild West. Mm, fair enough. It's it's a it's a the last days of the Wild West story. I thought. Yeah. Now because it is set post the war. Yes, and that's what I was referring to. The, the, there's always this conflict that we get sometimes glimpses back to, but not really. Yeah. Um, of people who fought in the war. What was the... Jim will be able to answer this because I don't remember. What was the kind of... What was the the motivation of the war? What was the... 
they were the coalition of planets is is coming together and they want to bring the border towns into this coalition and the border towns are their own independent little enclaves and they don't want to be part that's it. of the, there was no that's, more that's, moral underpinning to the I, war i don't know if there's much moral underpinning to no there definitely is i think that corporation is very evil and that's slowly revealed over the course of um over the course of the series and it becomes Miranda. much more exactly it becomes much more of a globalist conspiracy no, that's the ASMR five-minute break uh, brought to you by Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast. Yeah. They actually cast me originally as River Tam. Did you? Did yeah, they? but I couldn't do the splits. Yeah, it was unfortunate. You tried, though. Yeah. And that's why you have to sit down when you uh, pee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to sit down. I just treat myself to a nice little sit-down pee. And no one should shame you for that, Michael. No one should shame you for that. But I will. Michael sits down when he pees. <laughs> I do. Uh, it's fine. It's relaxing. Anyway, um, we had some other good examples. Game of Thrones famously makes no... Uh, George R. R. Martin makes no secret of the fact that he bases quite a few things on actual historical events. The, the Red bl- Wedding is based on a real event that the happened. The War of the Roses. Yeah, the War of the Roses has been a huge source of inspiration for a lot of Game of Thrones. Um, and again... The Game of Thrones, though, Ben, you could see people living in that universe. Well, it's a lot more stable than, than something like Lord of the Rings. Uh, Hold on a second. Lord of the Rings would be a perfectly fine universe to live in. No, it it's a perfectly There's a fine huge universe. Evil that... malevolent force that's constantly trying to claw its way back. Yeah, well, we have that here. It's called bloody fascism. Hey, uh, no, um, we're we... gonna get a bunch of comments. You dirty <laughs> virtue signaling cooks. That's what we're gonna get. All my incel co- buddies won't talk to me. How can we be cooks and incels? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Um, what What was I saying? But Game of Thrones is pretty real world. One of the things I like about Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and stuff like that is the universes work. You don't have to do any mental gymnastics to make the universes work. Yeah, okay. They're two very popular they're, they're whole... opposite examples that I have in my head. I would, but I wouldn't <clears throat> say you're wrong there. I think they are very opposite. Lord of the Rings is hugely fantastical. Whereas... It's not. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not hugely fantastical. Lord of the Rings? Yeah. It's not massively It's got talking trees in it, Mick. It's got very few talking trees. Scottish dwarves. I'm not saying Scottish dwarves aren't real, but they don't carry axes. But the Scottish dwarves are just a race. They're just people who go about their business. You know what I mean? There's no... They're they're people who live in the mountains. Yeah. Essentially. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take any leaps of logic to make them work. The presence of dwarves in the world wouldn't... Wouldn't throw you. Yeah. And magic in Lord of the Rings is quite rare and quite subtle. It's the same with Game of Thrones. Well, it's a bit bigger in certain aspects, but yeah, yeah. for the most part. Game of Thrones magic is quite rare. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing about Khaleesi, isn't it? She's kind of upset the whole balance of power because she has magic. And even the, the bloody red women, no one knows. Their magic is so subtle and so rare. No, the red women are the, the fire witches. From what one now? Came, oh, that's the old woman who looks like a young woman yeah. and occasionally has sex with people. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what, a, what a weird way to describe it. But <laughs> I can't. I, I've never, I haven't seen all the Game of Thrones. But, I'm not a Game of Thrones yeah, fan. Magic I mean, in Game of Thrones is pretty, pretty rare and pretty subtle. But yeah. magic in Lord of the Rings, people sometimes forget, is pretty rare and pretty. There are only. Well, I think the movies probably played it up a bit more than I was. There are only bloody five wizards. Didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. There are only five wizards in the whole Lord of the Rings world. Are they very powerful? Do they run things? No. Oh. They they kind of guide things a little bit from the side. Gandalf is the second most powerful. Corporations. Yeah. 
corporations. Lord of the Jeff Rings, Bezos. Lord of the Rings isn't a madly fantastical place hmm. to the point where the world can work. Perhaps it's my misunderstanding then. Let's say the Lord of the Rings greatest knockoff, Harry Potter. Yeah. That There's world all kinds doesn't of make implications. Sense. That world doesn't work. Yeah. That world, you couldn't live in the world of Harry Potter because it doesn't work as a world. It doesn't make sense. I think that was proven even more intensely with the sequel to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. The, it was the Crimes of Grindelwald. Ju- the Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, what did we used to call that one? We had a funny name for it. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but I think in that case, you can probably look at exactly the point you're making and see... The crimes the, of Johnny Depp. The, the Crimes of Johnny Depp, which were later disproven. Yeah. Have you heard about all this? Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, not get into it. We're yeah, anyway, sorry. That's, a, that's an episode for another time. But um, World War One is a huge factor in the next one. In fact, Grindelwald uses it as an ominous threat from the, the Muggles. World War Two, I thought. Uh, no, 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 because he says another one could happen. It's oh, World right, War right, okay. One, and he's threatening another one. Yeah, and they're like, "No, not another war." Yeah. Um, and it's weird that wizards even have to worry about that because yeah. they can apparate and move around, and surely they would step in and do something about that. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I mean, and that's the big implication. It's like, hang on, these creatures are running around, huge, monstrous creatures doing tons of damage, and nobody's noticing. Ever. And even then, even within the wizarding world of Harry Potter, things like the Time Turner seem pretty commonplace. And that can't be a thing. That can't, that does, you can't have casual time travel. And then I think J.K. Rowling wrote it away by me like, oh, but the ministry has them under lock and key and, yeah. you know, they only get out everyone's noise. Like, and they gave it to a student so she could keep up with her studies. Um, and there are other things as well, like... The, the Whomping Willow? The, well, the Whomping Willow The tree is, that smashes people up if they go too near it in the school well, grounds. The Whomping Willow is just stolen flat out from Lord of the Rings. Is it an end? Mr. Willow. No, there's a oh, tree. I don't know anything about bloody, that. Have you never read the Lord of the Rings? No. Well, that's what you should bloody go and do then, Ben. You oh, should right, go and bloody read the, read the book series, The Lord of the Rings by one J.R.R. Tolkien. One J.R.R. Tolkien. If you like it. One Sir J.R.R. Yeah, Tolkien. Look, everybody in, everyone who's a Harry Potter fan knows that the Harry Potter universe doesn't make sense. You couldn't live in it. It doesn't make sense that it could possibly exist. There's no in, in, internal logic to it. Yeah. Because there are some th- spells that do things that would change the very nature of reality yeah so yeah it doesn't make sense fair yeah but that's a good example of what happens when you over push but then there are other ones that borrow and do the fantastical thing kind of quite a bit and on. um, one of the ones that was pointed out to me was Sandman yeah and Sandman is a great example of when you take real world examples in this case mythology it's not exactly a real world event that actually mm-hmm. happened but it is something that everyone is familiar with and again it's a key event it's not necessarily the race of the the people or a stereotype that we're using to to give your character a little bit of flair or something like that. But it adds a real depth to that world. You like there's biblical references that go all the way down to the ground. There's unusual dukes of hell and princes of hell and stuff like that. There is the whole thing of Morpheus himself, who actually does have a basis in Greek mythology and things like that. It's it's a really interesting way to deep dive and give um, a lot of context to what you're doing. And for some people, they understand it and other people go off and find out about it. But for other people, it just gives that depth, that depth of flavor you're looking for from your, your world building stew. Is is the Sandman universe really a developed world or is it just a bunch of characters running around in a ruleless world? Depends on what type of character they are. Go on. Some people have to play by the rules and then other people just don't. Yeah. It depends on which character. Like the Endless don't seem to be bound by any particular rule. They are bound by a set of ritual, but it's nothing they can't step outside of when they feel like it. 
One, you see, one of the things I always think about when, when we're talking about world building is what would you do if you lived in that world? Might be a bit of a nightmare, wouldn't it? Yeah, but what would you do? Like, what would you what would you be if if you like if let's say a lot of people want to live in the Harry Potter world, and they would obviously be a wizard. <laughs> no one wants to be a bloody. Nobody muggle. wants to be a muggle. Nobody wants to be a muggle. An ant petunia. Yeah, a squib. Exactly. But if you lived in the Harry Potter world and you were a wizard, it would just be like living in a normal world, but just some things would be... A bit mental. Yeah. I'm sure there's still homeless wizards knocking around. There had to be, wouldn't there? Because, yeah. I mean, there'd still be a house. Well, everyone can just wizard themselves a house. See, I love a series like that, though. I love a series that looks at the real world consequences of what, what you would actually be doing. There'd still be inequality and poverty. I mean, she touches on that a little bit with the racism of mudblood and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think the Death Eaters are for lack of a better word white supremacists or wizard supremacists in that regard but it's not really fleshed out all that well yeah, yeah I'm not a huge fan of the Harry Potter universe yeah. the, the oh, books are lost as a few listeners the books are no the books are good what I'm the saying books are great the books are good the characters are good the story is good but I just don't I don't believe it as a yeah, world it. maybe that's why I like Carnival Row there's so many social issues just being ticked off and tacked off it's not always <laughs> essential though Michael sometimes we borrow from pop culture and stuff like that and events that have happened and we get really weird series like Samurai Jack mm. um, which is just borrowed from all kinds of world cultures you've got a little bit of Norse in there some African mythology running around running rampant you've got some modern Japanese kind of things giant robot fights and stuff like that and you just get this timey-wimey uppy-downy bendy mad universe that's great crack um, I don't know so it's it's hard to spell it out like the, at the core of that character is the Japanese tradition of feudalism and how that all worked and, <gasps> and but again that runs the risk of being incredibly racist I'm not sure I don't think so I'm not sure I don't know do we have any Japanese listeners if we do have any Japanese listeners have you ever watched Samurai Jack how do you feel it represents your culture well, it doesn't represent their culture though he's a samurai he's, is he even Japanese he's Japanese very is much he? so yeah. what's his name well, he just says long ago in a distant land but he's Samurai Jack yeah, but is he Japanese? He gets called Jack by kids at the start, though. We never find out Jack's actual name. Yeah. He's just say, What's son up, Jack? and father, and they say, what's up, Jack? And yeah. he goes, oh, it's Samurai Jack. Oh. He goes, I'm a samurai. And he's like, oh, Samurai Jack. But is he Japanese, then? That's how it works. I mean, I'm guessing based off motif, but that's my that's yeah. my orientalist. Is there is there an even is there even a bloody Japan in the world he lives in? Yeah, I suppose not. Oh, actually. there is a Scotsman. There is, is a Scotsman. Scotsman. He's the Scotsman, yeah. Okay, so there's a Scotland, so there's probably... Oh, no, we don't know, though. Is it Maybe that's just... Maybe he's named after the, the sweet Scots clan. He's probably not, though. No. Probably not, that's named after Scotland. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, anyway... Don't get me bloody started on Star Wars. Oh, we'll do that another time. All right. Because Star Wars is a very complicated mix. Bloody right. Asian stereotyping for some bloody senators at the beginning ah, of no Phantom Menace. no one cares Menace. about that. I care about it. No one cares um, about that anymore. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, do you... And ladies. Oh, no, you said that. Yeah. Okay, cool. We're good now. <laughs> have you seen... Have you seen Carnival Row... Have you been interested by it? Um, What kind of world building do you enjoy? Do you enjoy a Lord of the Rings thing where we don't necessarily worry about events, but we take a few generalizations here and there? Do you prefer real world paragons in your world building? Do you like (laughs) parallels? Um, Do you enjoy imagining a world that you could actually function in? What 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 makes your world building solid? What what do you enjoy? What do you like about the different worlds that you find? Are you excited about the new Watchmen? We're not. Um, Uh, But anyway. Middle. Ladies and gentlemen, let us know what you think. Uh, get in touch with us as usual. You can find us on Instagram. What do we want people to tell us? Remember, we wanted people to tell us something. If they knew. 
What's your deepest, darkest fear? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> not that. There was something we wanted people to tell us. Remember we said maybe the listeners will know. It was literally 20 minutes ago. I, I just catch everything that happens okay, on this podcast. Okay, you keep just spin your wheels. Um, we are also at shomrabeug.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. And as always, a review on Apple's podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, would be absolutely fantastic. Every little bit helps. If you're watching us on YouTube, throw us now a like. Give us now a subscription. Ah, go on. You will, you will, you will. Um, anyway, if you have any ideas for future episodes, ladies and gentlemen, because we are scraping the bottom of a barrel of... No, we're going to do a bloody <laughs> black black cat. Yeah, we're going to have a, one of Michael and Benjamin's famous elevator pitches next week. Um, and we're going to give you a little movie breakdown for a black widow, black cat. No, black cat. No, black oh, it was black cat. Sorry, black I got cat. confused yeah, right just here. Black cat. Uh, just a black cat movie, because we'd mm. like to see that. And bloody Jared Leto's getting his movie, so why shouldn't black cat? Exactly. Uh, anyway, that's it from us for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Bye. Bye. Can't find the stop button.